Hello, and welcome to Follow Your Curiosity, where we explore the ups and downs of the creative process and how to keep it moving. I'm your host, Nancy Norbeck. I am a writer, singer, improv comedy newbie, science fiction geek, and creativity coach who loves helping right-brained folks get unstuck. I am so excited to be coming to you with interviews and coaching calls to show you the depth and breadth both of creative pursuits and creative people, to give you some insight into their experiences, and to inspire you. Just in time for Halloween, Samhain, and Day of the Dead or All Saints Day, I'm talking today with Tara Sroka of BringingDeathIntoLife.com. Tara's an end-of-life planner, which may sound like an incredibly depressing topic, and maybe even an uncreative one, but I promise you it's not. We talked about ways to keep the memory of our treasured people alive, starting with Tara's own experience with her mother, and how that sparked both her passion for helping others prepare and for taking the fear out of the process. Yes, it really is possible. We also came up with some ways to use the idea of your own death to make your life better and more meaningful. I realized shortly after we finished talking that I've actually been keeping my late grandfather's spirit alive by doing the things I loved doing with him as a child with my young nephews. Maybe you have a similar story or will have an idea for something you want to do as you listen. We'd love to hear your stories, so please do share them on Instagram at FYCuriosity. Here's my conversation with Tara Sroka. So Tara, thank you so much for talking to me today. Thanks. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. You're very welcome. So you are like from a totally different angle than most of the people that I talk to. And you're working on helping people become more comfortable with the idea of death while they're still here. How did you end up there? I, uh, I had my own experience with death like a lot of people. Uh, six years ago, my mom passed away from lung cancer. And that changed my life completely. Um, for the first two years, sure. I mean, obviously, I was taken over by grief, you know, still trying to attach meaning and purpose and just understand the whole everything that happened. And I really kind of just dived into books and finding resources and just trying to process everything. And from there, I just realized that I was filled with so much fear while she was going through the dying process that I had regrets. You know, I said a mm-hmm. lot of things that I needed to say to her when she was sick and, you know, dying. But there were things that I wish I had done differently. Like I wish I had been much more open and not so fear driven. So in hindsight, it made me realize that I want to help people, you know, really just overcome their fear as, you know, as much as they can. I mean, it's always going to be a fear. It's something you're not going to be like, oh, I totally get this thing and I'm ready to die. Um, But I think the more we talk about it and put it out on the table, the less fear we have. Mm -hmm. And I've noticed just in my own life, just in the last few years, just with really talking about it, talking to other people about it, being open to it, seeing different things, I feel like my fear of it is so much less than it used to be. And I feel like a little bit more comfortable with it. So I think, you know, I really just want to help other people just, you know, deal with it and bring a little bit of peace to their life and less fear. That's awesome. Because I mean, it's, it's like none of us can avoid it. No, we can't. And, you know, it's going to happen to everyone. You know, we can't avoid it is right. So we can prepare for it and we can get ready for it way in advance because, you know, we never know when it's really going to happen. It could happen sometimes 20 years, 30 years, or it could happen tomorrow. So, you know, it's better to be prepared instead of living 30 years in fear of it. Mm -hmm. And I feel like it holds a lot of people back. I feel like it held me back in saying and doing a lot of things that I should have said or asked or done 
you know, I've kind of come to terms with, you know, everything that happened. It happened for a reason because now it's this catalyst for this business for me. Sure. And it's amazing because I know my mom is kind of like my business partner on the other side, you know. <laughs> she's, she's, you know, that's kind of how I see it. Like, she's spurring me on. She's my silent partner. And, you know, she is the reason this is happening. So I yeah. love that. That's an amazing way to look at it. Yeah. <laughs> Really I wish is. she could. I wish she could give me a little bit more business insights every now and again. <laughs> you know, she does in her own subtle way. <laughs> well, that's good. And yeah, you know, as you were talking, I was thinking I've I've heard it said before that Americans believe that death is optional, and <laughs> it, it, you know, I think I think that's kind of kind of what we do when we're you know, oh no, I'm not going to think about this. You know, I have 30 years, I don't have to think about it, and whatever. It's it's kind of how that belief comes out. It's sort of like, if I don't deal with it, then it's not going to happen, right? Mm -hmm. That good old denial thing. Or people also think that if I talk about it, then it's going to happen. It's the same thing. It's like, just because you talk about sexism and you're going to get pregnant. It's the same thing. It's like, just because you're bringing it up does not mean it's going to happen. You know, people are very superstitious still. Mm -hmm. There's some people who, like even friends of mine who they respect what I do. They're like, I can't talk about it. And I'm like, okay, that's fine. I'm here if you need to. but. Yeah, even just sometimes the topic of it makes people so uncomfortable. Yeah, and I think that it doesn't even have to be, you know, this is going to sound weird, but human death. I have a friend who is really interested in taxidermy. And, Mm -hmm. you know, when she started doing stuff like that, it did take me a little while, though she's always been kind of fascinated by death and dead things. So I wasn't entirely surprised. And the things she makes are absolutely beautiful. Mm -hmm. But when you're not used to that, you know, when, when you're really used to being part of this death is optional culture, mm-hmm. it, it takes a little while. And, you know, I mean, she, she sees things that I wouldn't see, you mm-hmm. know, she, she sees beauty in a bat skeleton that she went and, <laughs> and did a workshop when I, I don't remember what all she did with it, but she's got it in this, this little glass, you know, cover and, and all of that. And it's, it's kind of mm-hmm. like, it wouldn't be my thing. It would look very out of place in my house. But, you know, it does kind of make you look differently and say, that's kind of interesting. It's not necessarily as creepy as I might first think. It, there is a beauty there, even though it's not the kind of beauty that I tend to think about. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's just looking at it from a different perspective and just seeing how you can approach it. And I think it's been really beneficial for just people that I know, too, because they appreciate that I see things a little different and I think it's going to help change their perspective like you and your friend it really has opened the conversation so, you know in different ways that I didn't expect and people come to me you know just because I they know I have you know a different take on things so I feel like I get all those weird questions and things that people come to me for yeah so so what kinds of things have surprised you or maybe even not surprised you since you started doing this Maybe not surprising, but, you know, talking, getting people talking about it is a little bit of a challenge. But then when people know and find out what you do, then everyone wants to talk about something because everyone's lost somebody in their life. Mm-hmm. There's a very rare chance that you have it. And, you know, if you haven't, that's, that's amazing. Um, yeah. But most people have lost somebody or have had some type of experience. So they all want to share because it's like a community. You know, you find connection with people with sharing your story. It also validates your experience and your emotions. And it also validates the other person existed and lived. So it is a little bit of a hump in the beginning when I, you know, introduce myself to people and say what I do. And, you know, I'm always a little hesitant, but I'm getting over that myself. But then (laughs) I just find that more people kind of want to talk about it. 
And I always find that interesting. You know, I love that. You know, it's funny. I go to parties and I'm always the one that ends up talking about death and dying. So <laughs> it's always like, oh, I'm the, the you know, Debbie Downer of the party. But it's not because I'm really talking about things to celebrate people and celebrate life. You know, the idea is, you know, if we talk about death, you actually really want to celebrate life more because you really know what's involved. You want to make it meaningful. You know you have limited time. You want to do more with your time. Mm-hmm. So I think, you know, for me, it's been just very eye-opening experience. Sure. I can't imagine how it couldn't be. Yeah. How, how do you tend to introduce yourself to people? Uh, I mean, I'll, for a while, since I had, an, I have another profession, professionally, I'm an art director, graphic designer. So I usually would introduce myself with that. And then I would also say, as well, I'm an end of life planner, you know, it's just, it's easier to kind of go in with a soft opening and then approach it from the mm-hmm. death and dying. But over the last co- course of the last couple of months, I really have started to own it a lot more. And I'm very confident because people need to talk about this. People need to think about planning for the future. And it's something really I'm passionate about. So now it's just, you know, I'm an end of life planner. I help people think ahead for the future, you know, and I'm definitely much more, I own it more. Mm-hmm. And I'm much more com- comfortable with it. So yeah, I kind of just go direct and, you know, just this is here, this is who I am. Here I am. You know, how can I help you and be yeah. of service to you? And if not, then that's okay. You know, that's fine. I'll I'm bet. not, I'm not for everybody and that's, that's <laughs> fine with me. And None you know, of us are for everybody, yeah. but yeah. You know? And that's actually, it's funny how I built my branding and my website and just in general, I'm taking a little bit of a lighter approach. Like I'm, trying to bring a little bit of levity to a serious conversation and serious topic. So if you go and visit my website, bringingdeathintolife.com, it's definitely cheeky. It's different. It's not your normal death funeral Mm -hmm. industry website, which is the point because I'm all about customization, doing things differently, you know, really representing you and thinking outside of the box. So, yeah. Yeah. And you're not coming at it from that corporate kind of angle that a lot of that stuff does too. Yeah, I'm really trying to just do something different that stands out from the rest because that, that's me and that's my personality. So I'm trying to have a little bit of fun with it because the more fun you have and I think you relax more, you can talk about serious topics if you're, you know, yeah. down to earth, you're having fun, you're much more open. And then I feel like you learn a lot more. You share a lot more when you're comfortable. Mm-hmm. So that's really been my approach. So. Yeah. And I'm going to bet that when you introduce yourself to people, nobody asks you about being an art director. No, not really. Or they're like, well, <laughs> how did you go from one to the other? But I do have to say it's been very beneficial for me as a business to have that background because now I feel like I can do my branding, my marketing, all of it mm-hmm. together. And I feel it's actually really empowering. You know? yeah. So I don't have to hire somebody else. Like I know what my brand looks like and feels like, and I really can own it. So it's actually been really beneficial to have that background. Yeah, I would imagine. Mm-hmm. And I'm I'm just noticing that people who are listening can't see this, but you're wearing a T-shirt that says Future Corpse. Yeah, oh, I think there's something underneath there too that I can't see. Is it that all, it? It all says Future Corpse. Just oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> so, so did you come up with that yourself, or did you find it somewhere? I found it on Amazon, but I do know that other places have it. Um, the Order of the Good Death. It's another website. Mm-hmm. Um, they do a lot of, you know, death positive t-shirts and things like that. So no, I've been trying to buy more just because I want to, you know, open the conversation if I'm out in the world, you know, and people see this, you know, more, most people are not going to approach me, but you know, you never know who you're going to meet, you know, just like, you know, I want to put it out in the world. I'm, you know, willing to talk to you if you have any issues and, yeah. and questions, but yeah, 
yeah, this is new, so I'm glad you noticed it. That's really cool. <laughs> I wore it today just for this. <laughs> yeah, so, you know, when you first start talking to people and, you know, they're in that stage where everybody's like, yeah, I don't know if I want to talk about this. How do you usually break the ice? Good question. I think just my normal personality is to have fun Mm -hmm. and just, I mean, I'm very down to earth. There's no, like what you see is what you get. I'm not playing any games. I'm not going to try to sell you on anything. You know, I just want to have a one-on-one intimate conversation with you. And it's just, you know, I'll ask you about your experience. I mean, a lot of times I'll share my experience because I wear my heart on my sleeve. I will tell you my story because that's really the catalyst for everything that I've been doing. And I'm so passionate Mm -hmm. about it. If I didn't have such an intimate connection with this, it might not be so easy to share. But since I have so much to say, you know, I really try to just tell my story. And it's hard when you're being personal and one-on-one with somebody for them to be like, well, I don't care. Like, no one's really going to ever say that, you know, like, and I'm not relying upon sympathy or anything like that. It's just really, here's my story. Here's who I am. Here's what I've learned from it. I've gone through a lot in the last several years and it's made me a better person. So I really just try to share my story. And that usually just, you know, people want to talk about that. People are humans. They have, like I said before, that connection. Mm -hmm. They usually have some type of loss. You know, even um, I mentioned before, I have some friends, you know, who don't really want to talk about things. But recently, one of them has come around. She's like, oh, I think I really need to start talking to you about this. So I, I just feel like it's planting little seeds. So now she's ready. You know, and I give people the time and space they need, you know. So it's just... I think some of it's going to take time for people to really become comfortable, mm-hmm. but I just try to be, you know, friendly, warm, down to earth. And I just, I think that's just the best approach. You know, I don't want to hammer over the head, you know, like, yeah, that doesn't work. Die. you know, <laughs> that's not going to work, you know, so. especially with what you do, that's not going to work. No, it's not. <laughs> yeah. So, so what do people tend to be most curious about? Um, that's a good question. I guess just lots of different options that they have is a lot of the questions. Um, green burial has kind of come up a lot lately. Mm-hmm. There's been so many different options and changes um, that are more available to them. So I have a lot of questions about that. Because before, you know, we used to have just cremation or, you know, regular burial, which mm-hmm. are perfectly fine options. But now we have so many more options, you know, um, with green burial, just that option. And then just recently um, in Washington State, there was a law that was passed for recomposting. So that's going to be available in 2020, which is amazing. What I just went, that? yeah. So I just went to a lecture recently with Katrina Spade, who runs Recompost. Um, it's in Washington State. So basically, it's what it sounds like. They take the body, they mix it with you know some natural ingredients, wood chips, water, nothing, nothing crazy, and it's just the body. And they put it in a vessel for 30 days. They turn it. And the body does a natural process where it decon, you know, decomposes and breaks down. And at the end of the 30-day process, I mean, there's probably some other things that they do. Um, but at the end of it, you're going to get topsoil and you're going to get the soil back. So then you can actually replant it, you know, put it in your garden, make a tree, like have it to, you know, have available to you to do whatever you want. So that was just recently passed, and I know that's going to be a thing in 2020, and I'm excited about it. I went to this, you know, talk about it, and I brought my husband with me, and he was just like, that's what I want. That sounds amazing, to return to nature and to be part of it, not just to be buried in the ground and, you know, to eventually become, to like, go back to nature, to really be soil and to be part of that. 
and just to, you know, go back to where, you know, it all came from. It's just amazing. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm listening to that and I'm thinking, you know, first of all, that sounds so much better in so many ways than typical casket burial where, mm-hmm. you know, you're preserved and all of that and it takes up space and there are, have got to be a million environmental issues with that. But at the same time, I can also imagine the idea that, you know, you're going to turn my grandmother into topsoil. That's really, really creepy. So <laughs> how, I, I mean, have, have you had to have that conversation with anybody? No, not yet. It's so new that I mentioned when I was going to the saying, and some people were just like, to your point, that's creepy or that's awesome. It really depends on your perspective. If you're the one who's saying it's creepy, well, chances are, you know, your whole life you've thought of just cremation or caskets mm-hmm. and burial. It's hard because that's kind of how we've been conditioned. Up until even six yeah. years ago when my mother passed away, I didn't really think anything about this. Like, it was just what you do. And even now, when a family member passes away, I still have to remind myself there's all these other options. You don't have to follow the traditional norms which I feel like society just kind of forces on you. Mm-hmm. you know? So I feel like now you have to kind of take a step back and, you know, be like, oh, I have lots of options. So if you're coming from that creepy, you know, feeling, then it's just because you probably have been conditioned, you know? So mm-hmm. I mean, it's not for everybody. It's for, you know, it's, it's, if it speaks to you, it speaks to you. But then there's lots of other options for people, you know, who don't want to go that route. You know? Yeah. And, and I, I would imagine, you know, if you knew that that was what somebody wanted, like what mm-hmm. you were saying with your, your husband's comment, that that would be a whole lot easier to take than, oh, hey, we have this option and you could do this with grandma. You know, I, I, I think that would hit yeah. very, very differently. Yeah. And that's why I think it's also very important. Like I'm all about pre-planning and telling everybody your wishes and having everything documented and thinking about these things now. So then when something happens, your family members don't have to make those decisions for you, you know, because during that time when somebody passes away, you're emotional, you're upset, you're not in your right, you know, frame of mind. You want to actually execute without really having to think about it because honestly, you're not thinking, you're just doing. Mm -hmm. So if somebody has a pre-plan and they know exactly what they want, it's so much easier to fulfill their wishes and then you feel like you're doing them a service. You're doing it with love. You know, I always say that pre-planning is really a gift for your family. As morbid as that sounds, you really are giving them a gift of not having to stress at that time in their life when yeah. they're the most vulnerable. So it is for the people who want this. It's not like you're just going to decide to do that to grandma. You know, if grandma right. talked about it and was an avid gardener and loved it and, you know, wanted her, you know, remains to, you know, be spread in her garden, and you were going to tend to that and take that over as the family legacy, then that's, you know, that would be something I would suggest, but I wouldn't randomly mm-hmm. say, let's do that to grandma. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And yet, I mean, that is such an interesting thing, because, you know, if you, if you think about probably even just pre-industrial society, I think that's more or less what happened. You know, I mean, a, a simple box probably, but otherwise you were going to decompose in there. And that was that really. Mm-hmm. And, and honestly, I mean, that's what happens to any wild animal one way or another, mm-hmm. eventually. Mm-hmm. So, we it, just think know. about it so differently in our society. We do. And it's just, I'm not against the funeral industry at all. Like I just, that's what I've been known. Like I've known that my whole entire mm-hmm. life, but it's just, I love the idea that we have so many more choices when you become educated, you can make those decisions instead of saying, well, I'm going to do 
the regular, you know, casket burial, just because that's all I know. And I just right. love having more options and freedom to choose. So yeah. that's really something I really want to educate to people. Just there's so many different things that you can do. You know, you can do normal things like cremation, but there's lots of different ways. You know, now they have aquamation, which is, you know, done by a water process instead of the burning process for cremation. So there's different, you know, ways to wow. do it. Yeah. Now I I'm mean, trying to imagine yeah. what that looks like. <laughs> I'm not 100% sure, but it sounds great. I love the water. So if I'm going to go and I wanted to be cremated anyway, like, I don't know, one last dip in the water sounds great to me. (laughs) (laughs) It's funny, when I was in in New Zealand a little more than two years ago, at one point, I'm not sure exactly where I was, but I remember I I texted my sister-in-law and I said, so I'm not planning on doing this anytime soon, but when it's my turn, please, you know, throw my ashes around New Zealand because it's amazing. <laughs> I want to be here, you know, yeah. which probably hit her in a weird way. <laughs> but it's funny you no, say that. plans to like yeah. pull off tomorrow, but. But it's funny yeah. you say that because it happens a lot where you just casually say, oh, when I die, do this. Mm-hmm. And we say it all the time. It's like, oh, play this at my funeral. Have that read. Do this, do that, or don't do this. So we have all these things that we say off the cuff. And then, you know, my thing is, well, put them down on paper, make them real, make them actionable, you know? So then you have the guidelines to give your family, your friends to do, to really honor those things. As crazy as it sounds, you know, a a funny story, it reminds me of back in college, a friend of mine, my college roommate, she had said one of those things too, like at my funeral, sing this song. And now it's still a joke 20 years later. So I'm apparently singing Simon and Garfunkel at her funeral. (laughs) I don't know how that's going to work out. But like, it's just funny. And it's just, you know, it's like, it's something now it's built into her funeral, regardless of whenever that happened. Mm -hmm. So it's just, it's important to, you know, put those out there and then to really document it so people can really follow through with it. Yeah. So they don't have to try to remember, you know, I mean, I made this off the cuff Mm -hmm. comment. I can't really imagine that I'll think of a more beautiful place that I'd want to be, but you know, that doesn't mean that anybody's going to remember. Mm-hmm. They'll probably, you know, when it gets to that point, they'll be like, so now we got to buy this expensive plane ticket. <laughs> <laughs> I know. That's the hard thing is because people want to be scattered and, you know, do all these things in remote places. I mean, so it has to be, you know, somewhat realistic for the person you're giving that responsibility to, or you're giving them a means to do it. You're planning for it. If you have life insurance or something, maybe you set right. some aside for that, you know, things like that to think about. It's just, you know, even when my grandfather passed away, he wanted to go back to England. And sadly, he's still, his urn is still here. Just we haven't had that opportunity and money and resources, you know. So it's just, you don't want grandma or grandpa to be sitting in a closet or on a shelf forever when they should be somewhere else. It's hard. That happens a lot. It happens a lot more than we think about. So, yeah. Yeah. And, you know, the other thing that I'm thinking is that, you know, the other thing that people are really more likely, at least in my experience, to to just throw out as an offhand comment is, you know, I want this on my tombstone. But I feel like we're doing tombstones less and less these days. So mm. so what do we do instead? Where where does that thing that we want to be associated with, you know, that quote or or comment or whatever, where does that end up? Um, you know, I guess it's various places, you know, I think we have a lot of opportunities online now. Facebook has a way to convert your profiles into like a digital legacy. So somebody can keep that up as a tribute if they wanted to. 
mean, that's an option. And there's probably tons of options online as well, you know, from memorial sites to things like that, or, you know, even an obituary, you know, I would think sometimes if you know you're sick, or even if you're not, and you want to write your obituary now, and there's tons of them that are so funny and avant-garde and not your standard templatized version. Those I think are a huge legacy in general, just because they're, they're very different. So, you know, thinking things like that outside of the box, you know, um, that's, you know, those are the things that I, I would work with clients on to figure out what could we do? What represents you and your personality? You know, like maybe, you know, you want to write your own obit. Maybe it's, you know, something totally different that we haven't even thought about. But, you know, during our sessions, it really depends on the personality of the person and what really speaks to them. Maybe they're a writer. Maybe they want to leave some type of legacy in writing. Maybe they're an artist. And that's how they do it. They want to express it in artwork or something. So it's just, it really depends on the person and what their mode of expression is. You know, That's an interesting idea to, you know, paint something to memorialize you. You know, the, the obituary thing is, you know, everybody does one, though you're right, not everybody does one the same way. And Lord knows, some of the ones that I've seen have been just phenomenal. You feel like you know this person after you've read it, even though you, you know, don't even live on the same part of the country or mm-hmm. part of the world. But, but yeah, I never thought about that, like to design something to leave. That's such an interesting idea. Yeah, I mean, it's it's nice as a legacy. I mean, I've heard of people who've left, like we talked about with grandma in the garden, mm-hmm. like if like that was something special and meaningful for her, maybe it's her garden as her legacy. And, you know, maybe at the funeral, you give out forget me not flowers or something that ties back to the garden, you can plant it or some some kind of connection. So it's a legacy project for the family. And then if you start it with the, the person who's passed away, and you continue it, it definitely has more meaning and connection. So you can remember them with fond memories being like, Oh, remember when we did this in mm-hmm. grandma's garden and it was, it was so meaningful and powerful. So I think there's different things that you can do. That's why planning is so important and thinking about it. So then when, you know, it happens and you don't have a tombstone or you don't have a place to visit like a, a typical grave, you have these things where you can go to and visit and have that special feeling. I yeah. Think. I like that. That mm-hmm. actually feels way better to me than I'm going to go visit a, a hunk of rock that has somebody's name on it. You know, mm-hmm. I, yeah, it represents that person and Lord knows I've done it. So it's not like I'm saying it's a terrible thing. I un- mm-hmm. totally understand the pull, but, but I think I really like the idea of, you know, I'm going to go visit somebody's garden or I'm going to go look at the painting that she left or, mm-hmm. you know, watch the play that she wrote or, you know, read the obituary that she wrote for herself. Mm-hmm. Speaking of which, have you written your own? No, I haven't. And it is on my list. I have done my whole funeral planning and I have documented everything. But the, the crazy thing and the great thing is in my business, I've learned so much every month, every week. I keep wanting to change it <laughs> and I need <laughs> to change it because since I've done it last year with writing everything down, I have come up with so many more ideas with just, you know, things that are available, talking to clients, just seeing things in the world that I'm just like, I want to add that to my list. I need to add that to my list. So the great thing is you can keep changing it. You can keep evolving it. You can keep adding to it. You know, again, keep in mind logistics and Mm -hmm. money. You know, my husband's just like, oh, if you go before me, it's going to be really hard to pull this off because you have like a lot of great ideas, but there are a lot of big ideas. Mm-hmm. So, you know, again, it's within means. So, yeah. So, like, I've done that. 
you know, so I have not written the obituary. That's something I need to do. I think one of the things that holds people back is they're just like, well, that's going to happen in 50 years. I don't know what's going to happen in 50 years. I haven't accomplished anything right now. I don't feel like I'm in a good place to write it. Mm-hmm. And I, I understand that that's valid, but you've lived a life, you know, whatever age you are, you, you've lived, you've had experiences, you've touched people's lives, you're here. So I think you have definitely things that you can talk about, even if you just start it, you know, that's start, you know, and I like to just come from, you know, the, the attitude of, you know, expression, don't do the regular, I'm from this place, I went to college here. It's not, it's not your resume. Try to be a little bit more expressive, you know, share who you really are as an individual and as a person. Go crazy, be wacky, say crazy things, you know what I mean? Like just, you know, be yourself. Mm -hmm. Because I look at those templates and it's just, it's easy to fall into that trap of just, you know, you know, and it's just, those are just stats. Those are just, you know, not that they're meaningless. It's just, that doesn't really say much about you. It just says where you went to school, who Mm -hmm. you work for. And that's not you. Like I work for so-and-so, but that's not me at all. You know, so I would just right. be honest and just, you know, have a little fun with it. And, you know, it's so frustrating because my, my grandfather died not quite five years ago, I think. And he, he literally was two days shy of his 99th birthday. Oh, wow. And, you know, I really wanted to write his obituary. Mm-hmm. And it was so frustrating because if you're going to run it in the newspaper, you get this tiny little hunk of space that's mm-hmm. like, maybe, you know, two square inches to put whatever you think is important. And and that was exactly how I felt about it. You know, it was like, no, he's he's not where he worked. He's not, you know, uh, he's my grandfather. He's mm-hmm. the guy who let me play with his expensive 35 millimeter camera like it was a plastic toy when I was five, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, not that he didn't watch me with it, but still, <laughs> you know, he's the guy who took me fishing. He's the guy who taught me how to bowl. He's, you know, the guy who like was the most popular person in his neighborhood every year during tomato season because he had more than he could eat and he would take them <laughs> to all the neighbors. It, you know, I mean, there, there was just so much more than all of the resume stuff. Mm-hmm. Even, you know, yeah, he taught Sunday school for like a million years, but that still feels, I mean, yes, it says something about who he was, but it's, there's, there's more to it than that. And it was so frustrating to me that you know we had to cut all of that stuff out because there was no room and so I can see where you know I've heard people talk about write your obituary now and if you don't like it you know what you need to change about your life Mm, I'm curious what you think about that too but but yeah you know like I'm kind of just just listening to you talk about this I feel like we need to do something that's more than what's going to fit in the newspaper, mm-hmm. which doesn't amount to much more than a death notice. Yeah. I was just going to say know. like the newspaper is more or less a death notice because they also charge you per word and it gets really expensive. Exactly. That's why we had to yeah. cut it. Yeah. So usually the obituary is really more for online presence, like, you know, guest books and, you know, for like the funeral home to post in different places. So you can go as long as you want in cases mm-hmm. like that. But yeah, for the newspaper, it's usually very short and sweet, unless you're a very local, small newspaper and they don't charge you an arm and a leg. But, you know, in major cities, they're going to charge you a lot. So yeah, it's hard to limit that number of characters. Yeah. I was, I was astonished at how little they give you for free. Yeah. Well, yeah, really nothing was. seems to be free. Anymore. Yeah, well, that's Especially, true. Especially, you know, I mean, not to say it, but weddings and funerals, it's, it's an expensive industry. It really Yeah. Is. 
it can be. I mean, it can be reasonable if you know your options. But mm-hmm. usually when people are going through that and they haven't planned or thought about it, it tends to be expensive. You tend to spend more because you're just doing it and just it has to be the best to honor mom. Right. You know? And it and it doesn't have to be the best. There's a lot of things that you don't have to spend the most on, you know, to show your love. But I feel like people go that route. Especially yeah, I think I think there's pressure to go that route because you know, it's this important person and, Mm -hmm. and they're not here anymore. And even if, you know, you yourself don't want to say something all that much about them for whatever reason, there's, you know, Aunt Sadie to think about, and she's going to be upset if you don't include this and if you, you know, write it this way and and whatever. Mm -hmm. And then there's, you know, Uncle Joe, who's got his own list of stuff. And yeah, I mean, it's kind of, there's, there's so much social pressure around how you handle a lot of that stuff. And, and it comes, you know, that's, I think that's where that, it has to be the best. And am I doing the right thing? And you're not, Mm -hmm. you're right. You're not in that state of mind to be able to really make a good decision. Mm-hmm. in that moment that's why planning ahead is really good because then you can make those decisions you know what really speaks to you like okay you put in your you know directive and your your papers i don't want any you know if you wanted a traditional casket burial say well i don't want any more than three thousand dollars to be spent on this like you know say those things because then you can avoid the family dramas you know so then there's no fighting you know that everybody knows what you want it's not guessing you know, it's not trying to prove yourself if, if you, you know, and but you have to hope your family really honors your wishes. Right. You know, that's, you know, you can't guarantee that at all. Like writing your family, your, your final wishes down is not like a legally binding document. You can't make people do something and you're not here to make it happen. Mm-hmm. So you have to hope it's honored, but putting it out there in writing and having it documented, I think is super helpful. Makes because it a lot more likely. It does, you know, and then you're like, you see it in paper. Okay. Well, she didn't want us to spend a lot of money. So then I'm not going to feel bad. It's not a reflection of my love or loyalty that I didn't spend this money. Yeah. 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 And it's also easier to point at the piece of paper and say, I know you want this, but this is what she wanted. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And hopefully there's less arguments about it or less, you know, like bickering. Because usually during that time, it gets stressful. There's the arguments, there's heated moments, and it's just so much stress that you can avoid. You know, it, it's yeah. tense. It can be tense. Yeah, absolutely. And like divvying things up. Mm. There are so many horror stories about that. There are certain things that, you know, I, I told my mother years ago, years before I thought that this was going to happen because they moved. Mm. <laughs> you know? So, so I ended up with the things that I asked for, but there, you know, there's a double portrait of her parents that I really liked. And I said, whenever you no longer have a place to keep this, I want it, mm. you know, and I don't think there was ever any, any argument about it. You know, it's not like my, my, I can't imagine that my brother ever would have argued about that, but (laughs) not like anything like that happened. So I'm, I'm also realizing as I'm talking to you that I should probably see if there's anything else like that, that we should kind of be like, you know, do you want this thing when it comes down to, you know, Yeah, that makes sense just to talk about it now, just to have it out in the open. Yeah. It just, it causes less problems. You know, a friend of mine, she's an elderly woman, and it's so funny. She has a bequeath list. So anytime that people come to her house as a friend, she's like, what do you want? Look around my house and put a sticker and write down on a notepad anything when I pass away that you want that isn't already spoken for. So she has a list, and she has somebody who's in charge of that list. So when, you know, ultimately she passes away, they will be the one to bequeath all the stuff. And I thought that was just amazing. And it was also so generous and open that she's just, 
you know, wants to give her stuff to her friends and her family and have certain connections. So like now it's just like you have a connection with that person and that object. I just thought that was so lovely. So I think just discussing it in advance, you know, if there's something that means something to you or to her and you have that connection, like talk about it. Yeah. So then you don't have to fight over it. Right. And, and, you know, I'm hearing you say that there were two women that I knew and I really regarded both of them as sort of an unofficial adopted grandmother because mm-hmm. I just got along so well with them. I absolutely loved both of them to bits. And the last time I saw each of them in their own home, one, it was, it was the last time I saw her at all. I'm pretty sure they each, you know, said one of them said to me, every girl should have a set of brass candlesticks. Here are three or four, pick one. Okay. Yeah. So, so now I have the Dottie candlesticks, you know, every time I look at them, that's, you know, yes, they're mine now, but that's whose they were. Mm -hmm. And the other, they were both named Dottie. Um, Well, one was Dottie, but still Ah, same, same original name. The other one, and they were both musical. The other one was a friend that I used to get together with and sing old standards. She mm-hmm. loved to play the piano. She loved all that stuff. And I did too. So we just started getting together when I still lived in my hometown. And then when I went back, I would go visit her. And the last time I saw her, she took me into the basement and opened up all of these filing cabinets. And they were full of old sheet music. Oh, wow. And she said, take okay. whatever you want. Wow. And I, so I have, you know, this... It's actually not a huge stack because I was like, I don't know where I'm going to put it. And I was trying to like pick the really good stuff, you know, but three of them, um, one is a copy of As Time Goes By from Casablanca. It's got Humphrey Bogart and um, Ingrid Bergman on the cover. One is the theme tune from Charade and one is Moon River from Breakfast at Tiffany's. And I I framed it because, you know, they're back in the days when you had the awesome artwork on sheet music. I took them to work. I photocopied them and then I framed them and hung Mm -hmm. them on the wall. So, you know, so now I can still sing them because I made copies, but, but they're there and I see them all the time. That's such a lovely tribute. Yeah. I mean, it was such a cool thing that they both did. And Mm -hmm. so, you know, they're, they're still here in really meaningful ways that, you know, I'm, I'm not going to forget anytime soon, you know, and, and like the sheet music has Dodie's notes in it and things like that. And it's just, oh, that's such a great gift. It's really, it really cool. It, it really was and wow. still is. No, that's great. I know. I mean, they, they say that you can't take your stuff with you and you can't, but it's great when you can give it on to other people and it lives another life. And it's so meaningful for you to remember that person, you know, like it's just, it's hard not to attach meaning to objects and to things like that. Cause it really brings back memories of that person in time. Mm-hmm. Well, that's great. That, you know, you had that opportunity. Yeah. And I hope that somebody who's listening to this will think to do the same thing with some of their stuff. Mm-hmm. I, yeah. You know, like, yeah. Do it too. <laughs> yeah. Sometimes people are just like, Oh, it's just stuff. I don't care. I'm just going to get rid of it. And that's fine. But mm-hmm. stuff means things to other people because it reminds right. them of you. You know, so it really is important. Like when my mom passed away, my friend offered, he's a quilter and he offered to make a quilt out of all her clothes, which was amazing. And he, he made two of them. So we sent her a lot of, we sent him a lot of, you know, different clothes throughout the years that she had. And yeah, now I got them back just recently. And it's just, it's amazing just to have that and just to see it and have that tangible object. Just yeah. Old and just to have that connection. Like I see a piece of fabric and I'm like, oh, I remember when mom wore that mm-hmm. at this party. I remember this. It brings you back and it just makes you feel closer as if like 
they're not gone. So yeah, they're still there in a different way. Mm-hmm. And I think even if you get rid of stuff, you know, there's there's merit to taking pictures of some of it, you know, just yes, so that you have the memories of of the things that reminded you, you know, that you, mm-hmm. used, you played with or or whatever. Yeah, that's a good idea because it's hard in this day and age to collect other things of other people's. Mm-hmm. Um, we just had a family member, our family friend, pass away. We had to clean out their apartment. And to that point, I seem to have collected a lot of stuff because I, I can't let go of stuff. I'm a stuff collector. Mm-hmm. Uh, but to your point, it's a great idea to take pictures and then let go of it that way. You know, to figure out how yeah. then it works into your digital life. You know, and how does that work into a digital legacy? So yeah, mm-hmm. there's lots of different options to get rid of stuff, but to really document it. Yeah. So what do you think about of that idea of writing your obituary and, and seeing if you like what you find in it? I love that idea when you mentioned it. It's so true. Like if you don't like what you write and you don't feel like you have anything besides the standard templatized, I went to this school, then it is a, you know, an experience and an opportunity for you to change things. I think it's good to kind of then reevaluate. I mean, if you see it and you're fine with it and you come to terms with that, that's fine. But if you see that there's so much more room for growth and opportunity, then I think that's really a great opportunity to change things. I really do. Because yeah. you, you don't know how much more time you have. So why not make the most of it? Tackle your yeah. bucket list. Do something different. You know, like I'm all about trying, you know, not that I do a lot of things that scare me on a regular basis. Like, <laughs> I try to, and I feel like I become much more empowered. And I think the more that we try to embrace things that scare us, I think we're better for it. What they say, like, you know, fear and it really pushes you to grow. And mm-hmm. it really has. You know, I wouldn't obviously wish death on anyone or the death of my mother to happen at all. I wish she was here. But I think in her passing, it has made me such a different person, a better person. And I'm grateful for that experience. So I think if you have the opportunity to do something that scares you to change things, do it. Just start today, start small. Even if it's something super simple, just do it. Because in a year or two, five years, you'd be like, wow, I started it. I did something. I made a change. Because you don't know, it could, you know, could happen tomorrow and you don't want to have that regret. So I say, just go for it. Do what you can within your means, within your comfort zone. Well, a little bit outside of your comfort zone. Yeah. Push yourself, but don't give yourself crazy agita and stress and anxiety, (laughs) you know, like that's just not going to help. So do something little that's going to push you and scare you a little bit. Yeah, I, I like that. Because I think that you're right. We don't grow if we're not pushing the boundaries of what scares us. Yeah. Because I mean, really, if you were going to be scared to do anything, you'd never leave your house in the first place. I and know. The days you probably wouldn't breathe either because you don't know what's in the air. <laughs> I know, but it's just, it's true. Like little things like, you know, I do have anxiety about things and I, you know, if I think about things and I get panicked, I'm just like, okay, I just got to do it, you know, because otherwise you're going to come out of it. And it's just mostly the anxiety is in the anticipation of something. When you do it and you come out of the other side, you're like, well, why did I stress about that so much? Mm-hmm. It wasn't as bad as I imagined. I think our brains make things way more complicated than Oh, they do. They really you know, the, do. The other thing about coming out of it on the other side of that is that now you can say, hey, I did it. I was afraid of it, but I did it. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and that's a huge you know, self-esteem kind of booster. Be like, hey, I accomplished this thing, even though I was really reluctant to do it. Mm-hmm. In fact, as we've been talking, I've also been thinking, 
sort of, you know, from the idea of writing the obituary now and seeing what you think, I think it could be really, really interesting to like, and your friends would probably look at you really strangely if you suggested <laughs> this, but kind of to say to them, I want to have, you know, five or six of you over and, and I want you to help me write my obituary. I want you to put, you know, tell me what kind of stuff I should put in there that I might not have thought about. Oh, I love this uh, idea. You know, because it's so easy to overlook the things mm-hmm. that, that we take for granted that we don't realize. And, yeah. you know, as, as a creativity coach, I've talked before here about, you know, doing a credit report so that you actually can remember the things that you accomplished and that you deserve credit for. Because it, it helps make the fear not as as scary the next time and and Mm -hmm. it also just kind of boosts you and you kind of go oh wait I did do all these things and I think that could be such a fabulously affirming and fun thing to do even though you have to get everybody past the idea that no I'm not planning on dying tomorrow (laughs) but I love this idea because I feel like as humans we are so hard on hard on ourselves and we can't give ourselves credit for anything that we do it's hard for us to see the good things that we do all the time. Like I especially am very hard on myself and I can't see like certain things that my friends are like, no, you're awesome at this, this, and this. Mm-hmm. And it's, I love this idea though. And I don't think, I don't think it'd be strange for me to ask my friends to do this. It'd be like, let's get together, let's have some cocktails and you can tell me and I can write this. And I love the idea of doing like a party around it. Yeah, oh, because if, if you're all <laughs> friends who know each other, you could, could do it for everybody at the same time. Yeah, I think this is a great you know. idea. I think I see a new event in my future. I think <laughs> Good, because yeah. I kind of want to play with it. I, think I know. I think there's really a lot of potential. Yeah, it just sounds to me like, you know, don't take yourself for granted. This is mm-hmm. all stuff you've done that you deserve to you know, it's worthy of going into this thing. I mean, like I said, you know, with my grandfather, most people don't care that, you know, he played board games with me or taught me to fish or, you know, whatever. But to me, that's big stuff, mm-hmm. you know, and it, it might not, he may not have been aware of how much it meant to me that he always had a joke. Even if it wasn't a good joke, he always had a joke. Mm-hmm. You know, I love telling them because he loved to make people laugh. Mm-hmm. And, and that is the kind of thing that I think a lot of us wouldn't think twice about. It's just like, oh yeah, that's just the weird thing I do. You know, nobody cares, but no, somebody cares. You know, it yeah, makes sense. If we didn't do it anymore, we'd miss it. It's a big impact. You know, I recently yeah. read that sometimes the things that you do impact other people that you have no idea. And then that causes a ripple in those people's lives to do X, Y, and Z. And you are the catalyst and you may not even know it. So yeah. It's, it's great to hear some of those things come back to you. And you're like, oh, I didn't realize like me just saying those words to you would give you this effect and you would go and do this. So I think that's a great idea, you know, and I think it's great to kind of support each other. And I think you can do it in a fun way where, again, you're talking about this, a serious topic, but you're doing it with, you know, a lighthearted touch and to make it approachable. I think that's the key is really just to be yeah. approachable and to have fun with it, you know, just to give a little lightness. But I love this idea. I think it's great. Yeah. And I, th- I think, you know, that, that whole making it not so scary thing, it, mm-hmm. you know, it's like, yeah, nobody's talking about dying right this second though, though I will say, you know, kind of, you, you talked about this a minute ago when right around the time I turned 40 and I, I gather this is not uncommon though. I didn't realize it at the time, you know, I suddenly kind of said, wait a minute, I'm probably right around halfway through here, mm. maybe slightly less, but maybe mm-hmm. not. And and I didn't realize that. And there are all of these things <laughs> that I kind of wanted to do. Mm-hmm. And I better get cracking. Yeah, I'm starting to feel that way too. It's just, yeah. yeah. Like you all have of a sudden, it's like, 
you know, if I don't get another 40 years, then what happens to all the things I didn't do? Mm-hmm. You know, which is a mighty sobering moment. In fact, I, I saw a sign recently that said, I really thought getting older would take longer. <laughs> oh my God, I know. And I laughed because I was like, super fast. Yeah, yeah, I really, really did actually. Mm-hmm. I know, I always think when people had said, said that and you were younger, it was just like, okay, sure. But then as you get older, you see how fast yeah. it goes and how much it just, it goes by in a blink of an eye and then you make all these excuses for why you don't do these things. Mm-hmm. And I'm starting to realize, like you said, you hit a certain age and then I think you have a little bit more perspective and then you realize that I have a lot more that I want to do and I really need to do it because there shouldn't yeah. be excuses. I don't want to have regrets. Like it's just, you know, yeah, I'm trying to tackle my bucket list. I think, you know, right around the same time, a lot of this was happening and, you know, I was trying to figure out what I wanted to do. I too had turned 40. And I was starting to have all these questions of just about life and everything, but I'm trying to do a lot more of things that are really scary, things that are on my bucket list, things that I want to see, experience. Yeah, it really makes you reevaluate things. And it, it really does. It pushes you to really want to get them done or at least try to. It does, though. I find that, you know, a lot of the time that's not what's at the forefront of my mind. You know, I forget about it until I happen to think about the numbers again. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and I was, I was, I guess, just a, no, I had already turned 40 when my first nephew was born. And he's seven this year. Mm-hmm. But I, I made the mistake when I first went to meet him of, you know, saying to myself, so when he's my age, how old will I be? Which is obviously take my age and multiply by two. So it's not difficult yeah. math. And I immediately went, oh, I'll be 80. I wish I hadn't thought about that. <laughs> <laughs> so I think there's kind of this like th- this dueling sense of, I don't have a lot of time. I need to do the things I want to do. And I don't really want to think about how much time I don't have left. You know, that, that denial getting in there along with there's pressure now to do these things, which maybe helps. Cause I think if you put too much pressure on yourself, you paralyze yourself. But at the yeah. same time, if you pretend like it's not real, then you will get to the end and say, Oh, look, I spent my whole life in the office. Yeah, I think you have to have a good balance of not scared, like not paralyzing yourself with fear and pressure, but you know, living your life and trying to do what you can. But yeah, it's it's hard to find that balance sometimes. I feel like mm-hmm. before you just get in your head, and it's hard to yeah. balance that. It really is. It really is. It's an ongoing thing that I think we have to kind of deal with, figuring out what makes sense for you. And mm-hmm. it's it's a daily struggle. Like you know, I always want to do more with my time during my day, but sometimes. You know, you also have to stop and sit outside and enjoy the summer weather and not do so much. It's it's always yeah. a balance. Yeah, there really is. So what what inspires you as you're doing all of this? I think truly helping people. It's the one thing that I've, I'm really passionate about, helping people figure out what they want, planning for the future, and giving them peace of mind. You know, my clients a lot of times say, I didn't realize how anxious I was about things before until I talked to you. And then really getting everything in writing and just, you know, having this discussion, coming up with these ideas, you know, a lot of times they don't realize they have thoughts about it until they start talking and then they're like, oh, I have a lot of things to say and I have a lot of plans. So I think just helping people come to terms with it and setting their mind at ease. So then Mm -hmm. they know their wishes are documented. They know there's a plan in place and they know that they can go and live their life and do whatever they have to do every day and know that when the time comes, 
they have this document, assuming, you know, they've told the right people where to find everything, you know, then they know their wishes are going to be carried out. So I think just really helping people with that and helping overcome their fear, even if it's little, even if it's just a little bit of overcoming the fear, because you're not going to completely, you know, solve someone's fear of death and dying. Mm-hmm. It's not going to happen. You're going to make people much more comfortable and open to it. But I think that is really just, it's a gift for me. I really just like to help people and want people to feel comfortable in just talking about it and opening it up in their life a little bit more. That's something that I'm truly passionate about. I get really excited about it. I mean, I could talk for hours to people <laughs> if they'll let me talk about it. You know, people always say your face changes and you get so excited and you get filled with like light and energy when you talk about this. And it's true. It really is true. That's how you know you're doing the thing you're supposed to be doing. It is. It's amazing. I haven't had that in a long time. And to find your passion finally mm-hmm. and to let it you know, run through you and let it guide you, it's scary. There's another fear. But if you let it guide you, I think it usually guides you to the right thing. And when it fills you with joy and you know, the way I feel when I work with people and clients, I know that I'm on the right path. I know that it's the higher path that I should be doing. So I... I started in the beginning questioning it and now I'm fully embracing it because it's given me so much more than I ever thought it could. Yeah. That's the other way, you know, you're doing the right thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Things that give back. It truly does. It does. You know, it's challenging. Of course, talking to people about, you know, death and dying it opens up my emotions sometimes too, you know, cause I've had, you know, obviously personal losses. So again, sometimes it's hard for me, but it's also cathartic when you talk about these things with people, you know, like if you come at it from a personal, you know, way to people, it's relatable, but it's Mm -hmm. also good for me as well. You know, it's also, it's great to talk about my mom and, you know, her presence then is, you know, is still here. So she's not gone. So. That's awesome. Is there a particular story that you could share with us of something that, you know, you felt really, really good about or that went really well or, you know, anything like that, like with a client or Oh boy. Uh, <laughs> um, I'm trying to think of something. It's been a couple. Um, well, I think just, you know, working, it was really with my first client and I was trying to figure out how this works, what this looks like, just the mm-hmm. whole process. And I think just really having the down to earth conversations with her and just being very open and real and then having that feedback for her to be like, you really set my mind at ease. That made me just feel like I, I knew that I was on the right path. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, that was just the aha moment for me. Because I was at that point, I knew I wanted to help people, you know, in this field, be comfortable, plan things. But I really wasn't sure how. And, you know, I'm still refining things. But just talking to her and having some feedback that was positive, mm-hmm. and I knew this would change her outlook on things, that was powerful. You know, so I mean, I'm sure there's yeah. other stories, there's other interesting things, and but that's the one thing that I really took away from that, and it really helped me move forward with my other clients. It gave me that power, that you know, feeling of confidence that I can help yeah. other people feel that way. Yeah, and you know, now that you're saying that, I feel like we've we've just kind of without calling it the the guide to figuring out the things you should really be doing. I think we've just sort of done it right? Mm-hmm. The things that, that light you up, the things that give something back to you and the feedback that says, yeah, you're actually on the right path. Yeah. It's an invaluable. And like I'm giving of myself to help them, but they also are giving back to me to really enforce what I'm doing. So I really feel like it's a mutually beneficial 
yes. experience. And plus I'm learning a lot from them. They have like, some of my clients have great ideas. Like one client, it was like, I don't want a funeral. I want to have people go bowling. And I'm like, okay, that's awesome. Like do something that's different. I love when people come up with all these different, you know, out of the box thinking, you know, it helps me then yeah. be creative and think of things that I want to do that aren't typical, you know? So I get a lot of great ideas from my clients. You know, one client wants to do something like a picnic in the woods and have like this whole thing at twilight. And it just sounds beautiful. That's cool. Yeah. And it's just things that I, since we're so structured and conditioned to think one way for, you know, just from your years of experience, it's just nice and refreshing to hear other people's ideas. Mm -hmm. So no, I get a lot out of working with clients. So it's, it's been great. Yeah. And I think if you're, if you're in anything like that, I mean, just like when I was teaching, I, I used to say half jokingly, but really not that I learn more from my kids than they do from me. Mm. But I really think if you're not learning more from your students as a teacher, you're not doing it right. You know, which isn't to say that you're not actually teaching them anything, but if you're not, you know, if you're not learning, you're not paying attention, you're not That's hearing true. what they say and, and all that. And I think the same is, is true with coaching and with anything where you're working with other people, you know, one-on-one or in small groups. I think the fact that you're learning is a sign that you're listening and you're, you know, you're assimilating new information, you're taking it in and then you're helping to, you know, come up with something else. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, you have to be yeah. open and adaptable to what people say, because maybe their ideas are not things that you have thought about. Maybe it's not something you even would do, but I'm going to honor you and say, hey, if that reflects you as a person, that's great. I mm-hmm. want this to be about you and what it represents for your life. It doesn't have to look good and be what I would want, but as long as you're happy with it and this is what you choose then that's great. So it's just being open-minded and adaptable to whatever they say. Yeah. And I think other people need to be open-minded and adaptable to the idea of doing something in the woods at twilight or going bowling. Cause I was sort of sitting there thinking I could imagine if now I'm not known for going bowling. I haven't really done that since I was a kid, but um, you know, I could just imagine somebody being like, I have to go bowling you died and I have to go bowling. Is this how I have to prove to you how much I loved you? You know, <laughs> but, I think it depends on the person because if the person, if that's that person and that represents them, then you're going to go because you're going to know that this is really representative of them. Like, oh, she I would will, hope. you know, I would hope so. I don't think you're doing it because you want to watch people wear bowling shoes and be total jerk about it. I think you're doing it because that's what really meant something to you. Yeah. I'm sure there's going to be people that are like, what? But that's on them. That's true. I mean, I could, I could imagine say, because this would be so me. And I've, I've thought about this as you've been saying something that really reflects you. And I thought, well, what would reflect my life in part? An urn that looked like a police box would reflect my life. (laughs) That would be perfect. (laughs) I could totally see that. But at the same time, I can also see certain people in my family rolling their eyes. Maybe I would hope getting a laugh out of it, but I could totally see them rolling their eyes. And yet it shouldn't come as any surprise because it hasn't gone away for 35 years now. So what makes anybody think it's going to? But, yeah. um, but the for- thing is, if you didn't do that or bring some type of personality into it, then I think they'd be more surprised. That been, could be, I would hope. Been, yeah, because it's been such a part of your life that if you didn't do something like a, a personal touch, then I just feel like people would be like, oh, well, that's a wasted opportunity. I feel like, you know? Yeah. And for anybody who's listening, who doesn't understand the police box reference, it's a doctor who thing that y'all know that that's a thing with me. <laughs> <laughs> and I fully embrace it. I'm a Whovian. So I, I totally embrace it. Yes. We just discovered that before we started this interview, which is awesome. <laughs> so, so yeah, I mean, I could, I could totally see somebody, you know, rolling their eyes at that, 
but oh well as you say oh, it's, well, it's on yeah. them you know so so yeah and if they don't like it then you can just you know send them signs and haunt them and convert them so. that's true that's true the threat of haunting is always <laughs> active in that situation <laughs> Oh, I wonder how often that happens. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know about haunting, but I, mean, I do know at least my belief is the other side. They send so many signs. We just need to be open to them. Mm-hmm. So they're, they're constant. I get a lot of signs and affirmations and just reinforcement of, you know, that I'm on the right path. Sometimes you don't see them because sometimes you're just, you know, you're in your own life and you're in your own head and you don't see them. But I definitely right. believe that you have people on the other side looking out for you and they're here. It's just if you're aware and you pay attention, you know, you'll see them and you'll have them in your life. Like my mom as my silent business partner. I still think that's brilliant. Yeah. And I, and think, I, don't, you know, and I don't have to pay her. So it's great. <laughs> <laughs> I pay her with love and gratitude. And that's probably what she really wants. You it know, is, even yeah. when she was here, that's probably what she was really hoping for, you know. <laughs> but, but yeah, and I think that's a great way to keep her alive for you. It's it is brilliant, yeah. you know, and I think that's why it was important for me to find my path because this is really a tribute to her, and I think that's why I really want to do this and to give back. It's important, and it's important for me to make it work just because of that. And sometimes it's a little added pressure when you're doing something as a tribute to somebody, mm-hmm. but you know, I'm trying my best to do it. So, well, and I think you know, if you keep in mind that that the person that you're doing it as a tribute to understands that you're human and you're not perfect and wouldn't really want you to lose sleep over, am I doing this exactly the way that my mom would have wanted or would most appreciate or whatever? Mm-hmm. I, I think that helps a lot because, it, you know, I I just don't think when it comes right down to it, I don't think that anybody wants anyone else to be what my eighth grade home ec teacher referred to as a paralyzed perfectionist because <laughs> it's not any fun to land in that space, you know, no, you should just be enjoying it and doing the best you can with it and having fun with it. And that's really what anybody wants. It is. And it's really just been about the journey. It's been a lot of learning about myself. So I really appreciate that. Yeah. That's awesome. Thank you. Thank you. This has been a really, really interesting conversation. Totally different than, you know, the kind of things that we usually talk about and yet really kind of not in many ways. So, so yeah, thanks so much. Thank you. I'm really glad that we can do this. That's our show. Thanks so much to Tara Sroka for joining me today and to you for listening. Please do share your thoughts and stories with us on Instagram at FY Curiosity. We'd love to hear how you've honored those you've lost. You can find show notes, the six creative beliefs that are screwing you up, and more at fycuriosity.com. I'd also love for you to join the conversation on Instagram. You'll find me at fycuriosity. Follow Your Curiosity is produced by me, Nancy Norbeck, with music by Joseph McDade. If you like Follow Your Curiosity, please subscribe, rate, and review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. And don't forget to tell your friends. It really helps me reach new listeners. See you next time.